0: Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend
1: hello it's me thomas anders have you listened to my new podcast yet modern talking just different now everywhere where you find your podcasts and it's really true you won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room i'm looking forward to meeting you now in your favorite podcast app modern talking just different we have a date
0: acast helps creators launch grow and monetize their podcasts everywhere acast.com peacock streaming the biggest live events from super bowl 56 Touchdown. to complete coverage of the winter olympics it's
1: all the unbelievable sports to love sign up now at peacocktv.com
3: Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm here with Alfred. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm here, not with Matt, this week. Uh, we're actually here with uh, Super Sub. We offered him uh, £12,000 a week pay rise at the start of the summer. He said no, but we've come back with £185,000 a week. And unlike Chamberlain, he said yes. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hello. Right, so uh, I-, I think that we all... Uh, I-, I dressed in black to uh, attend the podcast today because I was anticipating Arsenal losing heavily uh, against Chelsea. Um, but it's, uh, it's actually surprisingly going to be a buoyant pod and uh, a lot of exciting things to talk about today. So we're going uh, to go through like general team performance. We're going to talk about uh, Nozil and Benchez. <laughs> I think I got that right. We're going to talk about Aaron Ramsey. Uh, poor Danny Welbeck uh and then we're going to get into some uh, nasty little comments that uh, Pochettino has mentioned in the press so uh on to part
0: 1 yes indeed what a game and what a weekend i tweeted just before the game that it was such an arse awesome thing to do to make a point rather than try to win a point by uh the t- with the team selection that he actually had with I mean, there were a couple of surprises there and it looked like he had picked the next season squad almost to see how we would perform against Chelsea, who we are now quite comfortable with, oddly enough. Uh, it feels really strange to say it. still. Dan, how did you feel about the, the general team performance and uh, what were your hopes and fears before the game?
2: Uh, well, I think like all of us going into it, I was, uh, I was just hoping to lose by less than four goals. That would have been, that would have been a victory. Uh, and to have less riddles in the in the lineup. So actually, when I saw the lineup, I was reasonably happy purely because there were five players at the back that looked like they were five players that were in position. Uh, so that made me feel like it wasn't going to be as bad as maybe uh, I was worried about before. Um, I guess the lineup, in retrospect, made a lot of sense, but at the time, I think I was very nervous about away be playing. We'd be kind of run over. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was kind of nervous, but unnecessarily, it seemed. How did you feel about, about Welbeck up front? Um, I mean, I think when you've got Lacazette, Welbeck play is a good, is a good fall for him. He, you know, he can, he can run, he can do a lot of the running that maybe Lacazette doesn't do. I think he, he's a handful for defenders, even if, he's, even, if, even if they know in their head he might not score. They can't really take the risk. So he does people, pull people out of position. Um, I thought he did very well. Um, so I was, pre- I was pretty happy with him. I was pretty happy with, with, with the whole team. go. Pete,
0: we didn't see either Ozil or Alexis Sanchez. What does that say about the future of the performance we just had?
3: I wrote before the game that this was a big test of Wenger's nerve because uh, he had some big decisions to make. W- would he fall back on uh, on what he knows? and that's Erzul and Sanchez must start in every single game? Or would he uh, almost be pragmatic and say that uh, in in your big games, you need everybody focused 100%. So you need the people that are going to be here next year. And I don't know what happened to Ozil. That's all gone pretty quiet. No post-game Instagram post from Erzul. So potentially he was just dropped from the squad entirely. Uh, and Alexis Sanchez was put on the bench and... Absolutely, the right decision, and so it proved uh, in the game. I don't think, I don't think we would have come away with a draw if Özil had started. I'm not sure that this team uh, has the skill uh, to pad out the things that Özil doesn't bring, and I'm not sure that you can afford to turn over the ball as often as Sanchez does, and especially the way he's playing at the moment, which is all about himself, uh, very self-indulgent. But it was exciting. I'm, I'm quite enjoying. Watching a more, uh, like, just a solid Arsenal. It reminds me of when Thierry Henry left uh, and, like, the weight was lifted for Bayor and he had an incredible season. Or even the season after we lost 8-2 to United and we signed, like, some very robust uh, players. We brought in Murtisaka and Arteta. And it wasn't the, the dreamiest of teams, but they just went about their, their job and, and pushed us into fourth. So I'm hoping that putting players in that have got a bit to prove this season uh, could be the formula um, heading forward.
0: I mean, it really was. <clears throat> I mean, have we seen the the start of a new project in uh, Project Loyalists? Because everyone on that pitch, uh, you knew, was excited to be on the pitch and was going to give all all they had. I mean, with Oxlade not with us anymore, and there, I mean, there was there was no doubt that everyone there was trying to prove something, which I thought was quite magnificent to see, and to put a squad like that to the test away at Chelsea and see the performance that they put in, I thought was really, really, really cool.
2: And without being too David Brent about it, I think the key word is team. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the only baffling thing for me, I guess, is if he is going to get into kind of the, lo- the, what did you call it? Project loyalists. Project loyalists, which sounds like an entirely different problem for the UK government solving <laughs> all, in a foreign land, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if he is going to do that, then uh, then why keep Sanchez? I mean, that, I mean, it's probably uh, another discussion. But I think that you know, it did seem like the team was jailed, and the team knew what each other was doing. And there may have been also a psychological element that they were like, right, well, if we want to, you know, if we, there were some people there that kind of were given a bit more trust than maybe they have in the past. If, if you are a player that's been put in a team in place of Sanchez or Ozil, then I think, and, and you believe that's on merit um, rather than because, you know, they're out the door, then that's going to bore you. I think that's that was, I mean, hopefully a sign of things to come in terms of Bengals like uh, having some balls. And people have
0: been saying for years now that you can't have Ozil and Ramsey on the pitch at the same time. And it feels like that maybe was more evident than ever. Yeah. What we also know about Ramsey when he's starting to, uh, to get into shape and, and get a run of form is that he'll probably be injured in about two or three games, just as we saw Welbeck's now out for a month because he's finally hit his stride. Uh, but it was, it was interesting to see Ramsey, I thought, and the leadership role he immediately took with, with Ursel gone. How do you feel about Aaron's performance, Pete? I
3: think that was the performance that we've been looking for since 2013. But I also think that there were always three or four games every season when he comes back where he plays like that and and like you say then he's out for three months and it's uh it's season over and somebody was um somebody was jibing me uh, online like they always do uh but somebody said because uh, I I said did anybody miss Ozil? most people like I genuinely d- didn't notice that he wasn't on the pitch I tuned in late um and no, nobody noticed but somebody was I, Came back at me and they said, Oh, you know, you don't under- understand um, what the number 10 role is. Right? This, this Arsenal fan had convinced himself that the way a number 10 plays is the way Urzel plays. And that's actually, the, he's probably the one player in Europe who has allowed that freedom where it's okay for him not to track back. And like we've said before, it's okay for him to play that quarterback role. I thought it was refreshing to see Ramsey. Almost take notice. Like this is my chance to get a number ten role. This is my chance to show that I can play in a different way uh, to Özil. And this is my chance to, uh, like, he's in the last year of his contract as well, so he's got a lot to prove going into this summer. He either wants a new deal and he wants that number ten next year, and he probably won't get that at any other club in Europe, or he wants to push for a move and see what he can shake out because we know he's got desires to go to Spain. But on the Chelsea performance, um, I thought it was disciplined. Uh, I thought it was exciting. I thought he was super unlucky when he walked through Chelsea's midfield and defence, and then uh, then hit the post. And like even more unlucky the Lacazette blazed over. I mean, I know that he's not quite uh, adapted to the style of the Premier League yet, but you put your house on him finishing that normally. Um, but the but the real question is, as it was always with Ramsey, like can he manage forty games this season? Can Arsenal manage his fitness? Um and like jury's out because I was almost saying before the start of the game um, that Danny Welbeck is due an injury and and so it's come and now we're going to go through stuttery form and that like a world class team uh, has to keep the players uh, on the pitch and, and we're struggling already.
0: I think one of the interesting things with Ramsey's performance as well was a it was the first kind of real real partnership was in with with Chaka where they were actually covering each other and they they played really, really well together, I thought, but to your point earlier about Iwobi, as soon as Ramsey went forward, Iwobi went back and covered for him, and Iwobi really put in that distance to like make sure that there wasn 't a gap in midfield, which I thought was fantastic to see, and then Lacassette and Welbeck um joined kind of in the attack with with aaron and i I think that's like a key point for whoever is up in that, in that top three whenever Ramsey plays, is that they need to drop back. And that, that really needs to be a player that does that every time. And I thought that was, uh, it felt like that was the marching orders of Iwobi, or Iwobi gave himself those marching orders if we're going to be a bit more fair on Wenger. And I th- yeah, I, I think that was really, really cool.
3: So before we get into you know, sort of final conclusions on this game, um, I wanted to discuss uh, a slightly sensitive subject. Uh, and that's our most expensive signing of all time, at Lacazette. Um, what What do we think? Uh, what do we think about his impact on the side so far? Uh, He's scored a few goals. He showed some promise, um, but he did miss two very simple chances um, at the weekend. Do we give him more time, or do we have to accept that we're not buying from? the elite bucket at 55 million. Like it's, you know, it's double that if you want. And we just got set that maybe we've just got a faster Giroud. What do you think then?
2: Uh, I'd take a faster Giroud. That would be, that's okay. I mean, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm happy with him so far. I think um, we've kind of cried out for players that maybe just put the ball in the back of the net. And if we create enough chance around the box, he's, I think he would invariably be the guy that ends up side-footing it in or blast it into roof the net from, from 7 or 8 yards and that's that's kind of what I think we've missed. Um so yeah, I don't think he's setting the world on fire. I think that you know, I don't think he's he's going to he's going to trouble, you know, uh world player of the year or anything like that or even go down as a club legend, but I do think he he, he gives us some end product and stops us being quite as kind of impotent. So, I don't know. I I'm kind of I early season I give him 7 out of 10.
0: I think it's, you know, strikers need more than anyone else be confidence players and we haven't really instilled him with confidence yet. I think he's unsure before every game whether he's going to get picked or not with both Sanchez and Welbeck uh, at times having been picked before him. So I think he just needs, needs a spell. He needs to get comfortable in the team and for his manager to trust him as the striker that we bought and for him to feel like he's not playing to prove anything in a system, but he's playing to score and that he should be judged on the goals that he scores.
3: Yeah, I I am I'm, I'm not I'm not really sure. Jury's definitely out uh for Lacazette with me. I think he's uh, he's an interesting striker. He's very different. Like we we we're, we're, we're kind of used to having like physical players in uh, Sanchez and Giroud. Um, my concern is that is can he be a big game striker? Given two chances, can he convert? one of them um and on the evidence of the weekend clearly not but maybe it's a bit too early to decide that
0: Dan are we celebrating a draw
2: um yeah I think we're celebrating uh how would you put it um an arrested decline I think like you know we we are celebrating a draw but I I think we're more celebrating the fact that we're not falling off a cliff and I think that that's a weird feeling at the moment because I, I don't know for myself i've kind of wanted this season either to be a rebirth or a complete capitulation and uh i don't want to i don't want to kind of drag a, a defeat out of a, out of a draw but i feel like the good thing about this is we've, we're, we're steadying the ship a little bit the bad thing is like a steady ship is all we've had for a while so i feel like maybe it might again we might be just doing enough to keep the glimmer of hope at the, at the end of the tunnel um but then again, if we are to give Benga credit and say, okay, some of these changes were deliberate rather than forced in terms of tacticals and personnel, then maybe we are turning a corner and we're starting to to build a slightly different unit um, that's capable of being a bit more consistent. Um, so I think I think hopefully we're celebrating um, a bit more uh, a bit more of a solid approach rather than just the draw.
3: I think that's a really interesting point um, about celebrating the draw because we don't just celebrate the draw either. It's starting to become a little bit Or plucky Arsenal. You've got Danny Welbeck. Love him to bits. And he does pull teams all over the place, but can't finish for Toffee. Uh, Lacazette, our, our 55 million pound striker, uh, misses two really, really easy chances and kind of melts into the background um, a little bit. And we actually sit back and celebrate a disciplined midfield. Um, so... Like in the context, given the context of Anfield and our typical away performances, um, it felt it felt like a, a revolution out there. But um, that, that should be the, that, that shouldn't even be the benchmark. That should be the least that we come away with because I think Chelsea were there uh, for the taking. So yeah, really pleased with the result, but like uh, Arsene's uh, continued attack on standards um, is better. You know, you can see it online where we we were celebrating. That felt like a a little bit stokish of us.
2: So before we go into section two, um, a little trip down memory lane. This is a very early memory of mine. Uh, I'm showing my age a little bit here. Uh, Perry Groves uh, coming on as a substitute in the, I think it was the Littlewoods Cup final, certainly the League Cup final uh, of some sponsor in 1987. Uh, Very, very tight shorts. Uh, skimping down the wing, uh, crossing the ball for Charlie Nicholas and, and winning the game for us uh, against uh, against Liverpool. Um, I remember that because I went straight out into the garden uh, and uh, pretended to be Perry Groves uh, with my brother, um, which is probably the f- first and only time I've uh, impersonated G- Ginger Man in awesome. my parents' garden. Groves, he's away from Gillespie. Nicholas and Rosecastle in the area. Nicholas, yes, good deflection, I think. Seven minutes to go, and Arsenal have the lead. And it was the substitute who made it, and Nicholas who scored it. Groves away from Gillespie. Yes, it got a deflection. Robillard was going the other way. I think it came off Ronnie Whelan. And welcome back to section two, uh, where we're going to talk about the League Cup, uh, where the Spurs manager, Pochettino, is trying to belittle uh, the legacy of Perry Groves. Uh, I'm going to read a quick quote here uh, from Pochettino. Uh, The pressure is to win the Premier League or the Champions League, they are the two trophies. I'd love to win a cup for our fans, but Tottenham must build a project for the Premier League and the Champions League. If we if we forget those two, it's a big mistake. For a big team to win trophies, it means the Premier League or the Champions League. Wigan won the FA Cup. Where is Wigan now? League One. That is the most important example. Shade. Yes. Shade. Oh, Feel the cold. chill. Uh, so, what do we think about? What do we think about that? Does that stand up?
3: It does. Unfortunately, it does. And this is a reality for Arsenal fans uh, at the moment. The FA Cup is just for the fans. It's a nice day out, um, but it doesn't keep your top players. Because if it did, Alexis Sanchez and Meza Ozil wouldn't be leaving on freeze next summer. Uh, and I, I, think, I think the Spurs manager is talking about what's going to keep him in the job. Uh, and like outside of Arsenal, uh, any club vying for the top four, if you don't make the top four and you miss out on the 40 to 60 million pound bonanza, you're going to get fired. Uh, so I think he's talking about what his uh, key objectives are this year. And um, look, Arsene Wenger invented the top four trophy uh, because he was trying to communicate to fans for years that, look, the Champions League is a trophy. And now we're out of it, it kind of does feel a little bit like the trophy that we uh, neglected. But even so, I, I completely agree with it. I think the, the, the FA Cup lost relevance when uh, United dropped out of it years ago. And Arsenal have been using it um, as, as, as like a training school for years. So, yeah, I, I, that's what I'd say.
2: The only, the only slightly ironic thing about it is that Spurs Spurs used to, Spurs have only ever been a cup team. So you're kind of, I'd like to think he's kind of writing off all their history in that statement to say that actually, forget about Perry Groves, all, all, all Spurs' greatest achievements, maybe, maybe minus one or two, have been uh, winning, winning what he's describing now as a Tim pot cup. So I kind of think he's probably right, but I do think um, he'd do well to remember that the game's basically been built not just on league winners, but, but FA Cup and, and League Cup winners too.
0: I mean, my personal relationship to the FA Cup has changed because it's now basically what got us into this mess. Had we just not won the fucking FA Cup, we would have had a new manager this season. We would have had a new project, and we've been looking at a very different situation than celebrating uh, away draws with Chelsea. And we would have, we might have, have had a completely different uh, situation in the league and had players to sign on or would have left. So I I don't like the FA Cup, but there is something about the Cups. The reason I love football is because whenever you, you turn up to watch a game, it fills you with hope that you don't really get in other parts of life, right? And it's fundamentally why we're fans, because every week we're given that opportunity to go into a moment and a location and just think that maybe this once this happens. And for me, it's kind of almost this season. Like, I mean, it's it's basically over. Whilst with the League Cup and the FA Cup, that's what's going to give me the moments of hope, pretty much this season in terms of like winning and and having great moments, memories, just like last season that we actually got that beautiful FA Cup win. So I agree with Pochettino about the stature of the cups, but I still love them, and I have you know a strong relationship to. um to cup football uh, as a suite because it used to be the only time that we ever met great teams in, in Europe. And that used to be the legacy of a lot of our teams was always the, uh, the cup winner's cup and so on. That's when we got to see the star players on telly, actually. So I love cup, cup football and I you know there's nothing I fear more than like the, the talks about a super league and all these things where a complete uh, commercialization of, of football and the League Cup is a little bit like, you know, the thing that is fighting, uh, fighting back against that league. Uh, I, I can't work out uh, the dynamic with the fans
3: either. I feel like we somehow we've been conditioned to be in servitude of, of, of the cash, because are are you going to remember the two thousand and nine Champions League uh, group game? Yeah, group game. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to remember when you got to the last 16 in 2012? And it is, and But you'll always remember a, a, a cup game. Like, Harry, I will always Harry remember Rose. this summer going back to London to take my dad to the cup final. Like, you'll never forget that. But you know, would I remember being knocked out by Monaco in the Champions League? Probably less likely. So I can't... I, he, I think Pochettino says that from a business sense. But I think if you spoke to most Spurs fans and said, what would you prefer... Uh, a cup or the champions league actually i don't even know what people would say now mm. I, I don't know like because then you get to tuesday night and we're playing freiburg in the europa <laughs> league and it's incredibly depressing and then you're watching spurs um beat dortmund at wembley and you kind of you kind of you, you miss that because those are where the biggest games are but where, where do the biggest memories come from dan that's what i'm asking
0: that's what you're asking
2: that question's echoing into my head at the moment. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the, the, the difficulty is, it, I, think, I think fans, like, obviously, you want to win the league, but otherwise, if you, if you do other... Forgetting about the, se- the season that's coming, in terms of the value of that season, of course, you'd rather, you'd rather win the Cup than come second or third. But I think the problem is when um, you can't attract players. I think that's when fans start to, like you say, get infected by the money, is when you realise that, oh, winning an FA Cup, and then you see players having won the FA Cup who are thinking of leaving because they're not in the Champions League. That's when, as, as, as fans, it starts to hit you that actually, um, you know, the entertainment you might get because it comes back to that. Uh, and, and the affection you have for these players might, might be, might be a jeopardy um, because whether we like it or not, the Champions League is where they all want to play. I think,
0: you know, Pete, you had an interesting point earlier that you can also use these cups to test different players. And you can consistently bring people through the you know from the youth teams etc. by using these. Now, in Europa League is almost like the League Cup, as you said, like what could the strategy be, and how could we to our advantage use the League Cup to evolve the team and to learn more about our squad going into next year, and to test out like different systems. I
3: I, I think that that's a, an interesting point. The League Cup for me what between 98 and i don't know like 2006 2007 that was you look forward to that like we mm. we pack out uh we pack out the stadium because we'd be playing all of the most exciting youth products that we've got coming through so the league cup uh for us this year i'm not quite sure how to pronounce the sponsor's name or what the sponsor does um but the league cup could be interesting because we're going to get to see recent re- Nelson, um, we're going to get to see uh, uh, Nathan Miles uh, in midfield and maybe there'll be a few surprises um, sprung. So uh, now we've got a good roster of youth coming back. Maybe the, the League Cup takes on a little bit more importance and then we use the Europa League to get our second string like mentally and physically equipped. So if I think if Wenger uses the competitions in the right way, like youth for League Cup, second stringers for the Europa League and then the first team arrested could have a pretty good season.
2: I'd like to see them give a, give a, give a second string manager a go. Imagine that, if, if Lehman or Bold was just given <laughs> just given, given the puffer jacket and he just got to have a go. That's it a would just line. be great.
0: Oh, imagine Lehman charging the, the League Cup. That would be incredible. Like I w- If Lehman took charge of the League Cup, with our youth players, I'd fly back to England for that. <laughs> Seriously, that yeah. would be some of the most exciting stuff I'd seen in a long time. I think that's a genius idea.
3: It's talking of um, uh, like flying in managers, did you see that? Yonker uh, uh, and Lumberg were fired. Over the last couple of days. Oh uh, really? What for? Uh, for being uh, absolutely shit, I believe. I thought
2: uh, that was a kind of that was. I didn't think that was frowned upon.
3: Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think they've yeah they've been uh, they, they they've been moved on. So it'd be interesting to see whether Freddie Lundberg comes back. But I'd also be interesting yeah. to know whether uh, have you is, is there ever been a case where a manager lets his assistant take over for the League Cup games? Are you allowed to do that?
2: I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to start a revolution here, guys. Yeah, but...
3: well, one for the audience. A good idea. So I'm so excited to be leading uh, this final section because we get to talk in depth about, uh, <laughs> about the fight for seventh place that's going on this season. We're playing uh, Tony Pulis and uh, West Bromwich Albion. They started the season well uh, with strong wins um, against Bournemouth and some other team. I can't be bothered to look up. But uh, recently <laughs> they've drawn to West Ham. They've drawn to Stoke and they lost to Brighton giving Chrissy Hughton his first uh, win. Uh, but the big talking point has to be the return of Kieran Gibbs. Dan, how do you feel about seeing the big man back?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it, I just would be interested if he gets any sort of reception. Like, he's just so, so irrelevant. I just think that, that he's probably going to come into the tunnel thinking, oh, are they are going to boo me? Are am going to get a <laughs> cheer? And it would probably just be crickets, I think. Imagine, uh, I mean, I don't really care at all.
3: Ad- imagine that, 10 years at a club, and you're so irrelevant, fans just... I can't bother to even give you a round of applause. It's going to be pretty depressing. So. Alfred, how excited are you to see uh, one of your favourite left-backs ever? You mentioned to me in the pub the other week.
0: <laughs> Tell us how you feel. That's an absolute lie. Uh, he is not one of my favourite left-backs ever. Neither is Monreal, by the way. Did you see the, the shit that Paul Merson gave him? He said that he would not field him in the League Cup even. He was slagging off Monreal real badly. Uh, and said that he was an atrocious defender. I also know that Lee Dixon kind of is not a big fan because of his uh, lack of physicality. Anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. Kieran Gibbs, Gibbsy, it's going to be nice to see him. I think it's it's actually a little bit of like a necessary thing for the club, and I think it's going to help with Arsene's healing processes to see that we can actually start to release some players. And that they can go to other teams on things that are not loans, and that we can play them, and that he can still be friends with them because he's had this like extreme inability to get rid of of players. I mean, you know, why is Tabushi still at the club? Someone asked on Twitter, mm. which I, which is always worth reminding ourselves of. But I mean, I think it's going to be good to see Gibbs back, and for Wenger to see that doesn't hurt that much to the poor poor sods that he lets. That he gets rid of.
2: Well, it's a, it might be a bit like bumping into your ex-girlfriend and, and, and realizing, yes, she is actually now. Thank God, she is fat. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that happens versus like a big, you know, a huge thirty-yard scream into the top corner, realizing you've dumped a supermodel. Um, I hope my wife's not listening to this.
3: I think that uh, I I, th- <laughs> I don't think he's been there long enough to get the the pulis the pulis drilling. Uh so I'm hoping I'm hoping that it would be nice if Arsenal said, Look, I really want everybody, everything everything is to go down Gibbsy's side. I want like, I I want to see uh like a you remember when uh Man United beat up Reyes really bad? I want him to be like hazed uh down that side. I don't know who we can put on, like let like, put Kalasanak uh down his side and and give him a real grilling because uh, because yeah, like like seeing Chamberlain uh put him right back. Against uh, uh, For Liverpool, I'm, I'm quite excited to see Gibbs get, get a bit of a grilling uh,
0: in front of the home fans this weekend. But he's literally, if he starts, he is going to face Kolasinac. It is going to be the new against the old. It's going to be the old against the new. It's, it's going to be thrilling to see Kolasinac do the first Gibbs tackle. I mean, that, that's just going to be extraordinary. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Uh, regarding the, the Pulis drilling, isn't that what Matt called his uh, stag do in London this, week, this weekend? Yeah, I uh, he, we were going to get him on the phone,
3: but I don't think he was in a, in a, in a good space. Uh, let's put it that way. And I don't think his uh, analysis would have been as sharp as usual. Um, what, do we think of, um, what do we think of our chances against West Brom? Anything to worry about?
2: I mean, anything less than a comfortable victory with, uh, with some much-needed good football and lots of goals is going to be disappointing. So um, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I don't think we should be worried. I'm relaxed for the first time as an Arsenal fan in about a year and a half.
3: And Alfred, reference what we were talking about at the top of the show, uh, about dropping the want away players. Do we have any choice now but to start Alexis
0: Sanchez with Danny Welbeck out? Of course we have a choice. I mean, I still think that Wenger somewhere in him has the ability to turn Lacassette into a winger and that his plan was always to prove to everyone that he shouldn't be a striker and that he should really be the Sanchez replacement so that Giroud can prevail again. I'm sure that's why Giroud stayed because Wenger was like, give me, give me three months and I'll have Lacassette playing on the left and you'll be back on top.
2: Don't Uh, worry. This this guy's knocking on the door for your French your French position, but if we fuck him up by putting him on the left, <laughs> you're playing the World Cup and everything will be fine. I I, I don't think it's
3: an outrageous suggestion if we're playing against uh, the mighty Johnny Evans and, uh, and the Pulis side to start Giroud. Do you think it's as simple as Wenger's just going to uh, bring Sanchez in on the left and give Lacazette another go in the middle? Or do you think he's now a bit of a pragmatist and uh, Lacazette's probably going to struggle um, uh, huh? against a team that's going to absorb his his physicality.
2: I'm hoping, in terms of Lacazette, I just hope he either plays up front or not at all. I mean, honestly, seriously, it, putting him wide would just be terrible. I mean, he is not, he's not, he's not a wide player. He can't cross. He's good at one thing, which is scoring goals. Put him in the middle, let him score some goals or give him a rest. Boom.
0: Uh, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I said earlier that Lacazette needs to be given confidence because we haven't given him. Um, we haven't given that ingredients to his game yet uh, which is a shame and Giroud is going to be a perfect impact sub in this game I think that is how we're going to win it, is him heading a winner in the, the 80th minute after we have tried to penetrate their the deep lying uh, defense for about 75 minutes without any magic in the middle Okay, cool. So everybody's positive about the win. That's excellent. So I think that that's
3: uh, the perfect time to round up uh, a highly energised show. So I would love to say thank you uh, to Dan. Thank you. And I would love to say thank you to you,
0: Alfred. And I'll uh, I'll leave it to you now. What do you want to say? Thank you so much, Pete. You know what I want to say. I want to say ciao for now.
2: Oh, God. (laughs)
0: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we
1: recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Ender's. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts. And it's really true. You won't get closer to me anywhere else. Recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Now in your favorite podcast app. Modern Talking, Just Different. We have a date.
0: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.